It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it with another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's going on, Reggie? Oh, man. You know, another one last night that you're just like, uh, how? How? But, you know, it's a new day. We're feeling good. And as we've seen with the Timberwolves series, anything can happen. So we're staying optimistic. That's right. Sun keeps coming up. World keeps spinning. <laughs> Big lineup in today's show. Talking about that Wolves heartbreaker, of course. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. And later on, special guest Arif Hassan from The Athletic stops by to discuss the Vikings draft plans. Now just one more day away, all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, make sure to check out our other daily show on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's the Ron Johnson Show featuring former Gopher and NFL receiver Ron Johnson and producer Sam Ekstrom get the daily opinions of an athlete turned broadcaster. Ron Johnson tells it like it is, whether it's Vikings, Gophers, Wolves, or Twins. Subscribe to the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. All right. I don't want to, but legally, Reggie, I think we're obligated to discuss yet another Timberwolves heartbreaker last night mm. after they lose another big lead in the fourth quarter, up 11, mm. seven minutes to play. Grizzlies battled back after some pretty icy cold shooting streaks, including Dylan Brooks, just one from 10 from three-point land, three from 18 from the floor. But guess who? Who else? Ja Morant took the game over down the stretch, scoring the last 13 points for the Memphis Grizzlies, including mm. a driving layup with just one second on the clock to push the Grizz over the Wolves, 111-109, and take that 3-2 series lead. Everybody wants to point fingers and find who's to blame. People just need you know, a scapegoat to cope with these dramatic blown leads and losses sometimes. But if you sat down and watched that thing start to finish – it's kind of hard to put the fault on just one guy or one part of the team. I know for me, it was getting really frustrating with the lack of rebounding. Wolves watched the Grizzlies grab 18 offensive boards and turn them into 23 second-chance points. I mean, Brandon Clark, he had seven offensive rebounds and 10 boards in the fourth quarter alone, but even that's just not enough to say why the Wolves lost. Plenty of different factors and variables that accumulated to the Wolves letting this one slip away. Reggie, I mentioned the disparity in rebounds. Grizzlies also dominated the paint like they're known to do, 62-38. Wolves had 23 turnovers. Despite all that, they still probably should have won this game. It just feels like it came down to a really talented but young, inexperienced team showing their age and playoff inexperience. And I guess you just hope that these are games that they need to go through to learn and develop into a stronger team mentally moving forward. Yeah. This is what I said last night. I was talking to a few friends and the Wolves are a team that 
is uber talented, but in that same regard, they haven't done what they're trying to do before. This is their first real meaningful playoff experience together. You know, you got Pat Bev, but he's just one guy. You know, I mean, he can help kind of sustain through some of it. But he's just one guy. He's just one guy. And these guys are still learning how to win meaningful playoff basketball games. And the problem is (laughs) you juxtapose that. With these exasperated Minnesota sports fans, like, they are tired. It's the same sad story every year with these teams not doing what they're supposed to do. It's heartbreak all the time. Like, it's just a a culture of heartbreak that they're used to. And I think it's kind of unfair. You know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, oh, that's the Minnesota sports experience. And it's just like, well... I don't know that we can just chalk what we're seeing with the Timberwolves up to that. I think what we're seeing is them going through growing pains in real time. And it's like, no, but they should win. It's like, yeah, they should. But constantly you see them quarter after quarter not being able to finish out the quarter strong. Mm -hmm. They go on these runs. They do well. And then all of a sudden, as the quarter winds down, it's like, oh, man, here we go. And that's just a team of inexperience. Kat said last night, you know, just just learning experiences. And nobody really wants to hear that, especially not from him, because, you know, for some reason, people just love to hate on him. But he's right. They're learning. They're they're figuring things out, and and what the hope is is that if they get into this situation again next year or moving forward, that they are battle-tested now. They know what it looks like to lose these leads, to lose these games. And a lot of people are so frustrated about, you know, their quote-unquote basketball IQ. Mm. And, you know, I, I do think that they have ways to go when it comes to some of the decisions that they make on the floor. But... You don't know until you go. You don't know until you grow. Mm. And that's what they're doing right now. They're growing. It just sucks as, you know, a, a hungry fan base to see them as they're growing. You know, you you would hope that a team experiencing growing pains would just win. You know, they they're while they're growing, they just win. But that's not always the case, and that's what we're seeing in this series. I know everybody, again, wants to try to pick apart what's wrong with the Wolves, who needs to step up, who needs to take blame. But you definitely got to give credit to the Grizzlies as well. I mean, a team that played poorly the majority of the game, and yet they just keep coming at you. We saw it when they were down 26 in Game 3. Wolves opened the door and gave them a crease, and they finally busted through that wall midway through the fourth. I mentioned Clark's rebounding. John Morant, he's a superstar, and the Wolves just haven't learned how to close those kind of games out yet. John Morant, by the way, maybe the most disgusting dunk oh I've gosh. ever seen in my life. That's not not even an exaggeration. He um, dunked on everybody. Like, dude, like the state of Minnesota got dunked on. Like the all the ten thousand lakes in Minnesota just started rippling, <laughs> rippling. Yeah, when it happened, it, it it just caused the seismic shift when mm. he did that. Like I was watching it in real time, and I was just like, "Did he just do that?" I, like I think I like exclaimed 
in real time. Mm. And it was so funny watching, um, I, I was watching the Bally Sports feed, mm. but it was funny like watching it back, you know, on Twitter mm. as Ian Eagle was calling the game on TNT. Great And call. I have no idea how these announcers are so brilliant in the mm. moment. Iron Eagle just goes, a jawbreaker. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, like a jawbreaker. Yes, Mm. that's what that was. Mm. And it's just so crazy because, like, you just hate to see it. I hope Malik Beasley's family wasn't watching that because they didn't deserve to see that. Mm. The kids, they don't Mm. deserve to see their father like that. Mm. You know, like he just maimed a man on national live television and and his family just had to sit there and, and watch it happen. Like thoughts and prayers to Malik Beasley, thoughts and prayers to, to his family, all those who love him. You know, he will rebound from this, but we just keep him keep them lifted in prayer. There needed to be a disclaimer on the TV, <laughs> mature audiences only, because again, the world just felt like it, 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 it stood still for about two or three moments there after that dunk. <laughs> oh yeah. Gosh. You mentioned it. Malik Beasley, unfortunately going to have to see oh that one uh, a long time on the highlight reel. Reggie, the Wolves still led this game again for most of oh. the way cat with 28, the bench. I thought it was rock solid. Ant with 22, the game tying three with four seconds left. Mm-hmm. Ice in his veins. I know the loss is fresh. There's still that salty taste in everybody's mouth, but still plenty of positives to find, right? I mean, if they can learn from these types of games and figure out how to close out good teams. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the number two seed in the Western Conference. Don't forget. Mm-hmm. What do you think the future looks like for this talented T-Wolves team? Oh, I think the future is bright. I think now the the expectation, because what this – series is doing is giving them some swagger is giving them some confidence and that's going to build into the next season like you know a lot of people were not really sure when the Timberwolves were coming out at media day and saying yeah we're going to the playoffs this year people were like this is the same team from last year what do you mean you're going to the playoffs are you crazy yeah right you know, get out of here, bucko. Yeah, 30 wins, like, I think a lot of people yeah. predicted them. Up, you know, 30, 35, maybe. Yeah. But now the expectation is not just that they'll, you know, compete. It's that they will be a playoff team, that they will not have to play in another play-in game, and they will just make the playoffs outright. That's the expectation for this team. And I think the talent that has been shown in this series shows that they are. They belong. The problem is, is they can't close out. But what you hope is, is that this is good learning experience for them. And that next year, they will be able to maybe make a run in the playoffs. Because what you see is that the talent is there. When Cat is on, when Ann is on, like when the bench is playing well. Like, I mean, I can't say enough good about Nas Reed. Oh, like, love him. Love the guy, man. Like, the dude comes off the bench and just gets buckets and, and is just a productive player. And I think what I really enjoy is just seeing how together they are, how unflappable they seem at times, you know, and how confident they play. Like, you know, they went up 13 in the fourth quarter and Cat's telling the, the audience, the crowd, to be quiet. Mm. And you're just like, wow, like, Look at them. Look at them growing up just in front of our eyes. And, you know, Cat has took it upon himself to come out, dominate, as Shaq (laughs) will want him to do. And, like, it's been paying off. And usually when he has a great game, like, 
they win, and they were right there to win it last night. It you know just couldn't close out. I think what you hope is that moving forward they won't have some of the mental lapses that they have. I mean, like the clear out for D'Lo. I mean, thank God mm. for Anthony Edwards. Like you know, redeeming the team with that corner three right there just left too much time for Ja. But like the the mental lapse of of the clear out for D'Lo to shoot the off-balance shot that wasn't even close, hits off the backboard. And then, you know, same thing that makes you laugh, makes you cry. Anthony Edwards sinks the three from the corner, ties the game. Okay, all you need to do is just hold them for the last three seconds, and maybe we're going to overtime. Well, he gets too aggressive, goes for the steal on the inbound. Jodges has an easy path. To the bat, that's about as easy as a game-winning layup as you're probably gonna get from Ja. I'm not really sure what the defensive you know, assignment was with with that, but that just really wasn't it. And so, what you hope, and and there are things that Chris Finch is probably learning as well. This is his first head coaching job. Mm. You just hope that moving forward, they will put on the tape on in this series and go, "Ah, oh, God bless us," you know, and just. And really kind of lament some of the decisions that were made from coaching staff all the way down and use that as fuel to not be back in this type of position again. Because really, what we should be seeing right now, what we should be talking about right now in this moment is the Timberwolves moving on to the next round because they won in five games. But 13-point lead, two 25-plus point leads, both collapsed in the final minutes of the game and what you see is two losses and now on the brink of elimination it's easy to forget because again the wolves have played them so close so competitive this entire Mm -hmm. series again the grizzlies are the two seed and the two and the wolves look like the better team they do they do top to bottom every game yeah absolutely yep absolutely and and that's why it's so heartbreaking i think reggie that's why it's so tough to swallow some of these losses because Mm -hmm. you really finish that game out and say i i thought we were the better team tonight Mm -hmm. and you know all you want is the better team to win most of those games again yeah Grizzlies are the two seed for a reason they could very well go on to win the whole thing when it's all said and done who knows (laughs) but before we even get to that discussion remember the Wolves have done a great job of battling back and responding to tough losses like this so this one is not over yet game six Friday night back at home inside the Target Center Reggie you gonna be there Friday oh you know it Absolutely. Rest assured, Reggie and I will both be here Monday to break down that matchup, no doubt. Also, we'll be recapping Monday, the NFL draft, handing out draft Mm -hmm. grades, breaking down winners and losers, and the Vikings weekend haul with the draft just one day away. To preview that much more, we've got a Hassan coming up from The Athletic, but first... Do you want smart post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Get instant reactions from our Locked On team, hosts along with prominent reporters like Kevin Gorg for The Wild and Brandon Warren for The Twins. No fluff, just 10 minutes of straight analysts after each game. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube and never miss a podcast. All right, it's Christmas Eve day for a lot of us draft nuts, and we got one of my favorite draft gurus with us today to preview the Vikings draft just 24 hours away. He's a draft expert and covers the Vikings for the Athletic. The local legend himself, Arif Hassan. Follow him on Twitter, at Arif Hassan NFL. Arif, 
you ignore me for years, and now I get to see you two times in the same week? It, it must be draft season, my friend. I ignore you. I sent you so many texts. <laughs> What's going on, man? Well, uh, we can't talk about that. Legally, we can't talk about that, okay? You know, Arif, I want to say, you've worked on one of my favorite draft projects again this year, where you compile over 70 different big boards from draft experts and generate one consensus big board. So cool. You got to check it out if you haven't already up on The Athletic right now. So knowing what you know, using that data what would you say is unique or special about this class versus others that we've seen in the past and do you see anything really surprising or outside the box happening in round one tomorrow night because of it yeah sure uh, well i'll say that first i'm really excited to do this every year because so many new people enter the industry mm. there's so many additional uh you know pieces of information that i can enter into the board so many different types of context i actually uh, just uh, like 10 minutes before I came on, we're up to 82 boards in the consensus wow. board. I think that's going to be the final mm. version. So mm. it's never been that big. It's been a ton of fun. What I find interesting this year about this year's class is, uh, you know, you most years you usually have a solid number one or at least, you know, two players that could buy for number one. Uh, and, and that's where the rankings typically bounce between, you know, this guy's number one or this guy's number one, or everybody agrees, you know, hey, it's Trevor Lawrence. He's just the top pick in the draft. This year, in the top five, it can go anywhere. In fact, I have eight different players with uh, with a first overall ranking from at least one person, and, and five of those players have a substantial number of people ranking them first overall. And I don't think I, I've had that going back to 2014 um, when I back when I published it. I think 2013 is the first year I tried, I tried to do it. I've never had something like this. So that that I think is what and and. What that means, I think, is that one of those top five players is going to maybe fall pretty far because I think if you're uncertain about a lot of these guys, uh, one team in in the top five or you know uh, in the top ten is just going to think, well, you know, these guys aren't special, but there's a, there's a prototype I'm falling in love with. I really like this kind of player, and they might you know just go off board and draft uh, you know their favorite player that could be by most people ranked 14th, 15th, whatever in the top five, you know, like a Deion Johnson kind of situation. Right. Um, and, and so I think that you might get a top five player falling all the way to maybe 10 or something like that. Hmm. Wow. So, uh, Arif, were you at the Quasi presser yesterday? I was not, I was not, I was actually completing the, the big board. <laughs> I was staying up all night <laughs> down do in the dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I didn't trust myself to drive to the facility. <laughs> You know what? It's probably for the best. It's all good. It's all good. We'll hear plenty from him this week, I'm sure. But, oh, yeah. you know, this is his first time doing this as the lead guy, the manager. He talked about, you know, how it'll be a collaboration and all that stuff. But, you know, based on all the tape that you've watched and, you know, the projections, the 75,000 mock drafts that are out there, what do you expect the Vikings to do with that 12th overall pick? I, I wish I knew. I, I watched over that, that Quasi Presser. I read the transcript back again. I was trying to figure out, hey, is there a clue I can get from any right. of this? And, just, uh, just a breadcrumb here or right. there, please. Like any, like any good general manager to give us. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I thought that was just Rick Spielman. Turns out, no, that's <laughs> right. not the case. Exactly. Yeah. No. Um, you know, I, I thought that, you know, that his approach, you know, seemed pretty solid, you know, that you don't mm -hmm. want to be stretched out on draft day because it tells you a lot about your level of preparation. Mm -hmm. He said that if you're picking a 12, you have to have 12 names just come out of your mouth. So that was, it's nice to know. It doesn't tell me he's even picking at 12, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that, you know, kind of based off of that, that one small anecdote about, 
um, you know, the receivers coach, not and not, uh, you know, pounding the table for a specific receiver at a specific point. Maybe, you know, he's not going to pick a receiver. But even then, I don't trust that. I could totally see Jameson Williams <laughs> or something coming off the board at 12. So yeah. all, all I know is that he's not going to trade down as much as Spielman did. But who mm. would? That's a high bar <laughs> yeah, to right, reach yeah. there, what Spielman <laughs> did. Obviously, the first-round guys, they get the majority of love. They get all the screen time. But my favorite part of the draft is finding the day two and three steals later in the weekend where teams really have to, you know, have their homework done at that point. The Neil Hunters, the Stefan Diggs, if you will. Who's a few guys you really like that aren't being talked about in the first round, specifically for the Vikings, knowing what you know about the new coaching and schematic philosophies that we're going to see this year? Sure. Yeah, I think that uh, it really depends on on how you feel about this category of player. Uh, the undersized centers, obviously, Tyler Linderbaum is one of them. But you know, the Vikings are probably not. Again, don't want to be very, you know, concrete, but are probably not going to draft Tyler Linderbaum at twelve. Mm. Uh, and, and if that happens, they still need to shore up the interior. So in the second and third round, I really like you know Dylan Parham or Cam Jurgens, mm. um, you know, center from Memphis, center from Nebraska. Um, they both kind of fit a very similar prototype. The Vikings are in a spot where they don't have to start. Um, an interior offensive lineman that they draft right away because of you know signing Jesse Davis and and having Chris Reed there and having the kind of depth along the interior that they maybe didn't have last year uh, and and those guys might need just a little bit of development in order for you to put them on the field but you know those are guys that I really like um, Tariq Woolen at corner you know if the Vikings don't grab a corner right away I, it's just you don't find six four guys run four two you just like don't. Right. right. And so, so I, I think fun, that, man. yeah, yeah he's, he's so fun. And he was actually pretty productive too. It's not just mm-hmm. that he's an athlete. He was pretty productive. Obviously yeah, former receiver offense. switching over to corner. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the ceiling's still very high. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, he, and he's got a lot to learn. He obviously has, you know, a lot of technical refinement he needs to put together before he can really see the field. But I, I really like him a lot. I, I don't see a ton of discussion about him. Um, even though, I mean, that's that's a nuts profile to have uh, in, the, in the modern NFL. Um, and then even even if the Vikings uh, kind of go off uh, just a little bit and they don't grab, you know, a guy that's at the top of their need uh, profile, uh, somebody like Arnold Ebichetti, uh from mm-hmm. Penn State, I you know, he's undersized, so he might fall out of the first round. Um, but I really like his fluidity and explosiveness. You don't tend to see um, that kind of guy in the modern NFL go in the second round. You know, the, the, now that athleticism is so important at edge rusher, they get pushed up the board everywhere. Um, so those are the kind of guys that I think could be pretty interesting for the Vikings. So, Arif, just, I guess, overall, overall, the, the Jaguars are going to Jaguar, right? I mean, they, they got this. this pre- maybe maybe Urban Meyer is still there secretly, and we just <laughs> don't know. Their, yeah. All right. <laughs> like, we're getting, you know, different deferring reports about whether or not they like uh, Walker or they like Hutchinson. And it seems like they are positioning themselves to just muck this whole thing all the way up. What do you see them doing? If you were the GM, who would you draft? <laughs> this reminds me of when they drafted Blake Bortles and everybody was like, Wait, Oh my really? God. Three? <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> On purpose? Are you sure? <laughs> Final answer. Wait, for real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting because like three days ago, I saw a report come out that they were going to draft Devin Neal. And then, you know, then the oh report gosh. comes out that mm. that's not happening. They're drafting Hutchinson. And then the report comes out that that's not happening. They're drafting Trevon Walker. Um, and then, of course, you know, we get we get the news about an extension for their left tackle. So it's probably it's going to be an edge rusher. My guess is that it's it's Trevon Walker, um, just because that that is a little bit funnier. 
Um, and so that's kind of what you have to default with the Jaguars. Uh, but, you know, if I were them, you know, I, I wouldn't overthink it. I think that um, you just pick either Thibodeau or Hutchinson. I think that either of those guys are going to help you out a lot. Um, personally, I, I think I prefer Thibodeau just a little bit more just in terms of projection. But I think that either of those guys uh, is going to be a good pick for you at number one. It's it's a tough situation because there's no there's no Miles Garrett, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. you don't have that quality of player. And at, at pick number one, you, you kind of typically hope that you have that. But they got lucky last year with Trevor Lawrence. I'm not going to feel too bad. Yeah. Roger Goodell's look when the Jaguars handed that pick like Blake Bortles. No, seriously. Oh, are you serious? Blake Bortles? <laughs> Okay. I'm going with All this. Right. We're, All right. We're doing this. Okay. Okay. We're live. All right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We'll do it live. All right. Uh, Arif, last one here real quick. Uh, again, this draft, I think, so unique because normally we know who the number one pick is a month ago. Then we we, we can pretty much etch and stone who the number two pick is and then three, four, and five, the domino. Even when you go position by position, I don't think there's a clear-cut number one guy at any position outside of Kyle Hamilton, maybe Jordan Davis at nose if you want to get specific, Jamison Williams, but he's got the injury so you've watched a ton of tape so your opinion specifically i'm just going to give you a couple rapid fire guys top players at their position you ready uh maybe let's let's find out well we're gonna find out three two (laughs) one we we can edit this out don't worry sauce gardner Derek stingley sauce dean or lloyd at linebacker oh that's tough uh i'm gonna go dean just coverage is so important offensive tackle neil or icky Icky. Running back, Walker the third or Brees Hall? That that one's also tough. I, I'll, I'll go with Brees. Yeah, yeah that one's, Brees too. That one's yeah. closer than a lot of people think. Yeah. I think all three of us, though, agree on Brees just by a bit. Malik Willis or any of the other five quarterbacks, I guess, that are, are rumored to go close to Malik? Uh I, I wish I could like Malik. Honestly, I love I love the way he plays, but he's I I can't like him that much. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Desmond. I guess. Oh, I like that. Good <laughs> good hot take there. I like Desmond quite a bit. All right, last one. Most importantly, Ant or Ja? <laughs> I, I that's obvious, right? You gotta go Ant. Okay, I didn't know which Ooh. way you were going to go there on a Minnesota podcast. You played it safe. I'm proud yeah. of you. We don't need to edit anything out there. Arif, though, seriously, you're without a doubt probably the smartest man I know. So I'm just forced to trust that everything okay. you said here will be 100% accurate and unfold exactly on draft weekend as the yeah, way you, you said it. That's how that works, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all right. You're good. You're good. It's yeah. funny, uh, too, Arif, because you, you mentioned Desmond Ritter. And I was in Cincinnati the last couple of years. And so, you know, I covered Desmond and I did a couple of stories about him. And it's so funny, like going into his junior year, he was a guy that many were like, man, look, the, the leash is short, man. If he doesn't turn it around, like he's he's about to lose his starting job. And now you're talking about a potential first round pick. I think it's just crazy and a testament yeah. to just what he's built over the last couple years one wonderful story for sure yeah absolutely yeah a lot of fun cincinnati prospects besides sauce oh, yeah All desmond ritter nice. alec pierce their wide receiver mm-hmm. they had a great connection kobe, kobe bryant yeah kobe. just fun to say follow him on twitter at arifas on <laughs> nfl and all his outstanding work up on the athletic you got anything special planned from a coverage standpoint we can keep our eyes peeled over draft weekend 
Uh, yeah, sure. I'm going to keep updating the consensus board, releasing, you know, you know, hey, here are the top players available day three, whatever. I'm going to have the consensus board grade the draft. So, uh, you know, it's 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 right all the time, except when it talks about your favorite team. Uh, your favorite team did a great job. Don't worry about it. Uh, and then also, uh, I'm I'm trying to get a, a, a machine to run a mock draft for me. I'm going to try and code my own machine. Oh, cool. See if I can get that published uh-huh. tomorrow morning. It's it's probably going to be bad, but we'll have fun doing it. Are you going to be watching sounds- in like a, a a dark dungeon in like the basement, <laughs> just just dark, just on the computer, like in the robe with the hood? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Starbucks, it, it caribou in one the hand. Lights are off. Yeah. It's weird. I don't really understand. Yeah, that. it's weird. The lights are off. Yeah. Do you want me to shut these off, dude? <laughs> all right. Uh, check it all out again. Up on the athletic. Great stuff. Follow him on Twitter at Arifasan NFL. You're the man. We'll talk again real soon. All right. Thanks, Arif. Thanks for having me, man. See All right, take care. NFL draft just three days away. Again, Reggie and I will be here all week next week to break all the action down. Uh, like I said, the the whole Desmond Ritter thing is is really interesting, um, just because of you know me knowing what he went through at UC, and it, I mean, look, I'm rooting for him. I think he has a cannon for an arm. He does. He's super athletic. He gallops like a horse. It's like. You you're running after him and you think you got an angle and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this dude is faster than I mm. thought he was. He's running away from me. And so mm. it's 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 cool to see. Also love how Arif was non-committal on who the Vikings might take. And it just shows that nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> the wildest, most unpredictable draft that I've covered. I've been doing this thing for about seven, eight years now. I'm super excited to see how it all unfolds. Just because there's not the big star-studded blue-chip quarterbacks and stud mm-hmm. receivers at the premium positions doesn't mean it's a bad draft. It's just not that sexy, fun draft that everybody loves to cover like last year. Five quarterbacks go in the first 20 picks. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great talent on the offense and defensive line, specifically cornerback as well. Well, you can find a lot of great draft picks later on as well. So I'm just excited to see uh, kind of how it all unfolds. And again, what Quasi and the new regime end up doing over mm-hmm. there at TCO. All right. Time has come. My favorite part of the show is here. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports called What Does It Mean? Let's jump right into it. Let's do Vikings. it. Check this out. Vikings wide receiver coach Keenan McCardell gave a passionate speech during a draft meeting about picking a different position other than wide receiver with their first pick. What does it mean the likelihood now is the front office does not take a wide out? Or is this just that typical NFL draft smokescreen as we near the draft just a few days away? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, Keenan McCardell, look, we respect you. We value what you have to say. But yeah, 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 we're going to pick a wide receiver. Yeah, like I think I think um I don't know. We haven't known Quasi long enough to know, you know, how he kind of games things. You know, he's a he's a genuine guy though from all accounts, you know, from the conversations I've had with him to just, you know, just everything that he said up until this point. I think he's a genuine guy and he shoots it straight, but also believe much of nothing you hear on draft week. It's just like, you know, there are all, there's only so much that you hear on draft week that you can really give any credence to because there are rumors just flying everywhere. 
And not that he really has a reason to give us a smoke screen, but when it comes down to it and they're, you know, in the trenches and they're at pick 11 and all the wide receivers are still on the board that that are valuable in this draft, you can't tell me that they're not going to at least entertain the idea. Right. I mean, you go back to the Randy Moss draft. They didn't necessarily need a receiver with Chris Jake Carter, Reed Jake Chris Reed. Carter there. Yeah, yeah. But it was a luxury for them picking up Randy Moss. And what happens? He becomes really one of the, the best wide receivers in franchise history. You know, Maybe I mean, the best wide receiver of all time. Exactly. And it's just like, yo, like sometimes you just – I know you got – you know, Justin Jefferson, you got, you know, Adam Thielen and and you got KJ Osborne. And it's like, well, they should be set at receiver. But if you have a chance to add a dynamic guy, a la Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, and they're there and the cornerbacks that you kind of really were eyeing were gone and a trade back is not necessarily on the table and you're going best available player. I don't see how you don't pick a wide receiver. Yeah, rosters change too much for me from year to year to not go BPA. You can't just mm-hmm. draft what position I need. You don't know who's going to end up developing. You don't know who's going to leave in free agency. You just yep. draft the best talent, and then good coaches find a way to maximize that talent. Going to mm-hmm. be interesting, to though, again, to see if this was just a big, giant smokescreen they kind of flung out there on social media to the media, things like that, or, you know, Keenan McCardell actually does influence their draft decision maybe just a little bit. Again, very deep wide receiver class in rounds mm-hmm. two and three as well. So it's going to be fun to watch. Minnesota Twins won 5-4 to four last night thanks to a Detroit meltdown in the ninth <laughs> inning. What was that? It. Cue the circus music. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Twins will take it, though. Twins have, have <laughs> actually gotten away with a couple. The White Sox had a costly error a few nights ago, gift wrapping a, a W for the Twins as well. But they'll take it. Byron Buxton went in the lineup. His war on a 162-game scale is the highest in the MLB at 8.2, with a war higher than the likes of players like Mike Trout, Fernando Tartis Jr., Aaron Judge, and Mookie Betts. What does it mean for the chances of Buxton winning his first-ever MVP award, given he can stay healthy this season? That's the that's the part, man, that last mm-hmm. part. And it's like not anything to sneeze at, not anything to scoff at. Like the dude has to stay healthy to be in that conversation. But what you see is an MVP-level player who can dominate games, who can take over, who can just electrify us all. But the health, man, the health, like – just if he only misses 15 to 20 games this year, you got to give it to him because what he's shown is that when he is in the lineup, he's going to be a difference maker for the baseball team. And I think like he is one of the most electrifying players in all of Major League Baseball. Like he's somebody that everybody can get behind, like his passion, his energy. Like, the dude just plays with such a reckless abandon, which sometimes gets him in trouble with some of these injuries. But, like, the dude is exciting. He's awesome. And I think they're going to go. It's it's so funny. Like, you know, they, they signed Carlos Correa, and he was supposed to be, like, the guy for them. But, like, you got Byron Buxton on the team. You pay him 100 mil. Like, they're invested. They're expecting big things from him. And I think – Everything that we've seen up until this point this season shows a superstar like blossoming right here in the Twin Cities. And it's just a matter of him 
keeping a reasonable, my grandpa used to say, a reasonable portion of health. Sometimes the MVP talk gets so complicated and convoluted. Most valuable player mm-hmm. to their team. You look at Buxton in the lineup, completely night and day difference. I think he truly is one of the most valuable players in the league, hands down. The wild loss last night to the Coyotes, 5-3. to three. However, the St. Louis Blues lost as well, keeping Minnesota in the two-seed thanks to a tiebreaker. What does it mean if the Wild aren't able to hold on to the two-seed with two games remaining? I mean, we keep going back and forth about this during this last final stretch of these last 10 games, but is it going to make a huge difference, do you think? I mean, is this the difference between getting out of the first round or not? Well, I think what what – it means is regardless of what happens, they're just going to have to beat a really good team. Right. And it's just so funny because it's just like last night, you're like, man, can we catch a break? Like you play the, the, the coyotes, you know, mm-hmm. the, not a, not a great team, a team that you're expected to beat. And it's like, you can't even beat them. And then at the same time, it's like the blues lose to, it's just like toying, just toying with the emotions because you're just like, man, like if they find a way to pull that game out last night and then the Blues lose like they did, like now we have an advantage a bit. But now it's just like, look, if the Blues are just going to keep they're, – they're playing Simon Says right now. You know, they're, they're losing the Blues. Like, all right, we'll lose too. Okay, it's cool. It's all good. And it's just like, dang, no, like, no, you're not supposed to do that. Like, we're supposed to, like – be opposite. Like, I'm supposed to win, you're supposed to lose. But, like, you know, I honestly think, like, in sports, as an, as an athlete, as a competitor, I want to win when the odds are the most stacked against me because that just makes the victory even sweeter. Mm, you know, that. like, if, if the Timberwolves come back somehow and win uh, this series against the, the Grizzlies when, you know, most people write them off, you know, that stat, 82% of the time when teams win game five, they go on to win the series and they go ahead and and, and actually win. They overcome those 82% odds and they win. Like, it's more thrilling. It's more exhilarating. You know, if if the, the Blues are going to have that home ice and the Wild have to overcome that to win against a team that they just have such a hard time playing against, as we've seen, they haven't beaten them this season – it makes it even more sweeter when they beat them and go to the next round. So if I'm the the wild, I'm like, yeah, just bring it. Like, we want the smoke because in the end, it's just that much more rewarding. I love that. To be the best, you got to beat the best. So who cares mm-hmm. if playing in the first round, second, third? You're going to have to beat these guys if you're going to ultimately do what you set out to do, win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, again, I like that mindset quite a bit. All right, he survived the gauntlet once again. Draft day tomorrow. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV and on Care 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.